I know that uh, Paige and Austin's baby, uh, Libby Ray, is here, right? Welcome, you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Right on. We're so proud of you guys. How's it going? Is that your baby making all the noise? All right. I think it's that baby in the back right there. Y'all doing a good job. Did you put her out? Good job, Jeff. Good job. Hey, um, you've already read the text, so I'm not going to I'm not going to to go over that again because we just read it. It is a responsive reading, um, but but it's a story of the wise men. We've spent all morning talking about the wise men. Can you imagine how different the story would have been if the wise men would not have been sent, but instead they would have sent the wise women? They wouldn't have got lost. Uh, if they did, they would have asked for instructions. They would have brought some sensible gifts. Okay, what's a baby going to do with gold, frankincense, and myrrh? All right, have you ever? I know some of you ate myrrh last time, okay? Don't eat the frankincense that you've been given because it does take, it tastes like rotten trash, all right? Because uh, I, I tried it. Uh, so, but the mothers would have, the, the, uh, the, the wise women, it would have been a much different story. But, but what, we're, we're, not, we're not dealing with the wise men. We're, uh, women. We're stuck with the wise men. Uh, the wise men, in my opinion, were sort of like the ancient equivalent of Talk to my nerds right now. The Jedi Council, okay? These were the guys who were the smartest. They were the, uh, the most intellectual. They knew about astronomy. They knew about geometry. They knew about uh, 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 geoastronomy. They knew about the black arts. They knew about the occult. And these were the people who, who found their way to, to Jesus when he was born. The, uh, the wise men were sort of like this, this old school sharpest of the sharp i've often wondered man how did the magi or the, the wise men uh who were over there in iran over there in the iraq area and the babylonian area how did they hear about jesus i mean because it's a long way away and it, it's tough well i read i found this passage in the book of daniel chapter 2 when the first temple was destroyed in 587 bc king nebuchadnezzar took all these folks from Jerusalem and the surrounding area in Jerusalem and brought them to, to Babylon. And one night, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Doesn't know, how to, doesn't know how to read it, doesn't know how to interpret it. And he heard about this. One of the guys that they brought, from ex, uh, they brought in from Jerusalem, he knew how to interpret dreams, so they brought this dude in. His name was Daniel. And Daniel gives the interpretation of the dream. And it settles well with Nebuchadnezzar. He says, dude, I'm going I'm to give you a job. And this wasn't one of his people. This is something he brought. This was with somebody. It was a prisoner of war, Daniel, the man of God. This is what the Bible says in Daniel 2, 46 and 49. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor in order that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Dan, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this ministry. This mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He, King Nebuchadnezzar, made him, Daniel, ruler of the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all the... Man, that's an odd verse. Well, what had happened... Okay, Daniel was a Jew. Grew up loving Yahweh. Grew up in the presence of God. Knew the Torah. Knew the Bible. He got placed in charge of the wise men. Who do you think taught them about the Scripture? Who do you thought taught them about the book of Micah and the prophecy about little old Messiah coming out of Bethlehem? The reason they knew that is because God put His best man in the job 575 years before Jesus was born. Church, don't ever forget that your God's on the throne and He's in control even before you were born and even, before, even after you die. God is in total control. In fact, here's a cool thing. The very next verse of this, Daniel chapter 2, you know, if Daniel is the Yoda of, of the Magi, he begins to place people he likes, good men, godly people, in, 
in positions of leadership. Look at the dudes that he places. This is just like his first order. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Do you remember those three cats? They were the ones that walked into the life-size air fryer. So this is, this is where we're seeing the, the origin, the genesis, the, um, the, the conception of how the, the Magi got there. 575 years before that, they received the revelation that the Messiah was going to be born. Okay, so, so that's cool. Um, Y'all, the wise men, when you look at this story, the, they don't get a lot of play. But I do think that they were very satisfied with their Christmas. I don't think they walked away and said, man, these things would have been different. I, I think they embraced it. And church, I think that we can take steps to make Christmas 2021 a little bit better than usual. I want to give you today a couple steps that can help us do that. Because I really want us to have a good Christmas with our family. Uh, we're going to look at those two steps very quickly. Number one, the first thing we can do to ensure that the Christmas of 2021 is a little bit more better than usual is this. We seek the right thing at the right place. We seek the right thing at the right place. Uh, if I would ask you this question, what would make your Christmas awesome? Uh, for some of you, it's going to be, well, if I have my whole family around the table, if everybody's healthy and everybody's doing well, uh, if you get a PS5, that's a good Christmas. Or, or maybe if, if, if Aunt Joe, Aunt Joe, well, that would be a great meal. We've got to get Aunt Joe down. Uh, Uncle Joe comes down to dinner. You know, we've not seen Uncle Joe in a long time. Maybe that's a good thing. Uh, maybe if there's snow on the ground, it'll be a great Christmas at church. This is what I do know. If we're counting on people, places, or things to satisfy us for Christmas, we're going to be disappointed. Because people disappoint us. Places disappoint us. Things will disappoint us. So we have to look for the right thing during this Christmas season if we want some things to go a little bit better than normal. I'm going to show a clip here in just a second. Um, it's one of the classic Christmas movies. We showed the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation snip uh, last week. And this is uh, Ralphie. This is the Christmas story. Uh, this was, uh, I think on Christmas Eve, I think they start playing this thing 24 24 hours, either on TNT or TBS or something like that. But uh, Ralphie's just young buck. He got... Uh, he got this little decoding ring in the mail. He had to save all of his proofs of purchases from the old team that he'd been drinking. And uh, Little Orphan Annie's Society, they send out these decoders so you can be a part of Little Annie's team. Well, he finally gets it in the mail. Man, he was expecting this thing to be incredible, things to go super, but instead he didn't get what he expected. Jane, would you show that for me? Thank you. Be it known to all and sundry that Ralph Parker is hereby appointed a member of the Little Orphan Annie Secret Circle and is entitled to all the honors and benefits occurring there, too. Signed, Little Orphan Annie. Countersigned, Pierre Andre, in ink. Honors and benefits already at the age of nine. Come on, let's get on with it. I don't need all that jazz about smugglers and pirates. Tomorrow night for the concluding adventure of the Black Pirate Ship. Now it's time for any secret message for you members of the Secret Circle. Remember, kids, only members of any Secret Circle can decode any secret message. Remember, Annie is depending on you. Set your pins to B2. Here is the message 12, 11. I am in. My first secret meeting. 14, 16. Oh, Pierre was in great voice tonight. I could tell that tonight's message was really important. That's a message from Annie herself. Remember, don't tell anyone. 
90 seconds later, I'm in the only room in the house where a boy of nine could sit in privacy and decode. <laughs> Aha, B. <laughs> I went to the next. E. The first word is B. S. It was coming easier now. U. <laughs> Two, oh, come on, Ralph. Oh, be sure to, be sure to what? What was little orphan Annie trying to say? Be sure Help to what? Me. Annie has got to go. Will you please come out? All right, Ma. I'll be right out. I was getting closer now. The tension was terrible. What was it? The fate of the planet may hang in the balance. Almost there. My fingers flew. My mind was a steel trap. Every pore vibrated. It was almost clear. Yes, 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 yes. Be sure to drink your Ovaltine. Ovaltine? A crummy commercial? You know, sometimes you get what you asked for, but what you got was not what you expected. You get it, and it just doesn't pay off. It doesn't deliver as it promised. And y'all, we've all been disappointed by Christmas because it didn't deliver what we were looking for. Christmas wasn't the problem, but rather it's what we were expecting. We were trying to make the wrong things make us happy. The wrong things make us content. The wrong things make us satisfied. But the truth of the matter is, if we're asking for the wrong thing, it will always leave us disappointed. The Magi, the wise men, showed us how to make this Christmas better than usual because they looked for the right thing and they sought him out at the right place. The Bible says this in verse 2, and ask, where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw this star in the east and we came to do what? We didn't come to find a manger. We didn't come to find a tree. We didn't, find a, we didn't come to find a jolly old fat man with a, with a red hat. We came to worship the Messiah. Well, that is so much different than what so many of us do when we look for satisfaction at Christmas. Because we try to find it in people, persons, places, or things. When the wise men told us 2,000 years ago, if you want a good Christmas, look for Jesus. If you want a good Christmas, seek Him out. They came to Jerusalem looking for an opportunity to worship Him, the King of kings and Lord of lords. They looked at the right place and they went to the right location because they had looked in the right spot to find what to look for. The Bible says this, In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet, well, uh, this, for this is what the prophet has... Where do you think that came from? It was the Bible. It was the prophet Micah. How did they know about Micah? Daniel. They've been reading the scripture for 575 years. They know the text. They know what to look for. They may have never been to Israel, but they know what the prophets wrote. Church, they were looking for the right person because they'd been in the right place, the book. And so they knew exactly what to do. Church, if we're looking for satisfaction from stuff, people, places, or things, we will always open ourselves up to disappointment. The Bible says this in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope, and plans to give you a future. Then you'll call upon me and come and pray to me, and I'll listen to you, listen to this. You will seek me, and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by who? Yo, God isn't hiding from you. He wants us to seek Him.
God is not hiding from us. He says, if you look for me, you'll find me. Just like the wise men, church. There was a very mature wife. Um, she had put a, a sign up, a post-it note up on the refrigerator. It says, honey, I want... Uh, and usually every year she had put up a sign that said uh, what she had wanted. It was a Christmas list. And by the way, ladies, you want to help your man out this year? Tell him what you want, all right? Uh, don't make us guess and listen and get in touch with our feelings, all right? Tell us what you want, all right? Uh, if not, don't be mad when you get a mixer, okay? We're doing the best we can here, all right? Um, she put up a sign and says, Honey, I, I want something that will make me look hot and beautiful. She was thinking, you know, maybe something frilly, lingerie-ish, uh, Victoria's Secret type of deal. So you can imagine her surprise when she came down the stairs on that bright Christmas morning. And she was looking for something that was going to make her look hot and beautiful. She was surprised when she came down. There was that Peloton exercise bike down there. She should have been more specific. Don't blame the man. It's on her. Church, when we look at something like that, sometimes we do get what we ask for, but it's, it didn't deliver. Church, uh, you can imagine our surprise. We're not, trying to look to look, we're not trying to look hotter or more beautiful. We're trying to have a better Christmas than usual. Seek the right thing. Look for the opportunity to worship Jesus. What's that look like? Well, right now, where's Jesus in your Christmas holidays? I mean, is he vacant? Is he, is he there at all when your family gets together? So what, what can you do? At the, at the Fogerson house for, for many years, we didn't always do this, but we have done this for the last several years. Before we open the first gift, we, we'll read Luke chapter 2. That's what we do. Um, when the kids were younger, they hated it, and now, I, you know, I, I, I'm hoping it, it will stick with them, and maybe they'll do it with their, their own. But, I mean, that, that's our way of trying to keep Jesus in, in the moment. Uh, sing a Christmas carol. Uh, pray with your family. Ask to pray for the food when your family are there. If they're at your house, just say, we're going to say grace. Um, there are other ways to do that. Pam on, Mon on Wednesday is going to be doing three minutes with Mike. And she's going to give five practical ways to bring Jesus into your family's holiday uh, this season. So check that out. That will be Wednesday night at 6 o'clock on Facebook. Uh, that will be Pam doing uh, three minutes without Mike. Um, so we, we seek the right person, we seek him in the right place, but seeking the right thing at the right place is our first step to making this Christmas more satisfying, but it's not the only one. So the next step to make Christmas 2021 more satisfying than usual is this, that we give the right thing. Man, what would Christmas be if there, if there weren't gifts, okay? Uh, the Magi brought some unique gifts that were actually appropriate when we, believe, when we view them in the context, in the prophetic context. Gold. Gold is a gift that you would bring for royalty. Gold is a gift that you would give the king or the queen. Gold is the gift that you would give somebody who is a very high esteem. So they brought gold. And by the way, do you remember what Jesus' title was? He is a Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Okay, so we get that. The frankincense, uh, that stuff you have in your hand. And by the way, if you take that home and light it, it will, it will smell. I won't tell you it smells good, uh, but it will smell. Uh, last month I gave you myrrh. But frankincense was a spice that was used by the, the high priest inside the, the holy place where they would burn the incense on what's called the altar, uh, the altar of incense. And when that incense went up, it represented the prayers of the people to God. So in, uh, frankincense would have been the gift that you would have brought the priest. Not only was Jesus the king, but he, was all, he is also our high priest who makes intercession for you and I before the Father today. Okay, so frankincense makes a little sense now in the context of the prophetic. But what about myrrh? Myrrh was come from Smyrna. It was, it's, it's a very expensive perfume. Um, there's a weird story with, with myrrh. The gold, I understand. King. 
The frankincense, I understand. Priest, what about the myrrh? Why are the Magi bringing a spice to Jesus that was used primarily for one thing? They brought a, a spice that was used for embalming to a baby shower. You scratch your head with that, and that, that is an odd gift. But y'all, when Jesus died on the cross and he breathed his last breath, there were two men who came to take him down, one by the name of Joseph of Arimathea, and the other guy was Nicodemus. But they didn't come empty-handed. In fact, this is what the Bible says. After this, Jesus died on the Calvary. Joseph Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because of his fear of the Jews, he asked Pilate that he might uh, remove Jesus' body. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took his body. But Joe didn't go alone. He took Nicodemus, who had previously came to him at night, also saying, bring a, picture, a mixture of about 75 pounds of and aloes. What they were doing is that myrrh is used in ancient Near Eastern embalming rites when they put somebody in a tomb. So church, when the wise men brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh, when you know the prophetic context, man, every single one of them makes sense. I get that now. Church, Jesus wasn't born to make us happy. He wasn't born so you and I would get along with one another. He, he, he didn't come because you and I were struggling. Church, if what we needed was information, God would have sent an educator. If what we would have needed would have been money, God would have sent an economist. If we needed to be uh, entertained, God would have sent us an entertainer. But church, our greatest need was none of those. Our greatest need was forgiveness of sin, so He sent a Savior. And Jesus was born to die. Hence, the myrrh. And so church, when we look at those things, these people brought the, the most appropriate gifts to Jesus' baby shower. Jesus was born to redeem, save, heal, and restore, but to accomplish that, He had to die. Church, Jesus was born to die for you and me. If our greatest need would have been something else, He would have sent somebody else. But it was forgiveness, so he sent us his son. Y'all giving the right thing at Christmas is a big deal. And I'm not talking about necessarily material gifts. Um, there are some things this Christmas that are more important than a uh, Black Friday sale air fryer. There are some things that are a bigger and better gift than a flat screen TV for $105. The gift that I want to talk to you about tonight, uh, uh, this, this, this morning, I, I'm going to encourage you to re-gift something. By the way, did you know there's a national re-gifting day? It's like the Thursday before Christmas. And it was basically set up for office workers who get credit gifts. So the following year they can give somebody else the credit gift they got that they didn't want. Um, I, I didn't know if you knew that, so I want to equip you a little bit. There are some rules and etiquette with regifting. Did you know this? You can't get this at any other church in town, I'm telling you, okay? So get out your pens and pencils. Here's the do's and don'ts of regifting. There are rules. Do remember the original giver. Remember who the original giver was. Okay, so if this year if Brother Chris gave me a, 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 a tub Christmas gift, I didn't like it. I do not want to give it back to him next year. So do remember who you got it from, regifting. Uh, Rewrap the gift, okay? Don't, don't give the same gift in the same wrapper that you got in. At least put in the effort of rewrapping. Uh, re uh, third, match the gift to the person who is getting the gift. If you have a big set of hoop, blingy gold earrings, do not give them to a woman who does not wear blingy earrings. So when you regift it, make sure y'all take a note. This, I was just playing. Stop doing that. Don't regift. Uh, 
Maybe you give it to somebody else. Let me tell you about the don'ts, okay? I've told you about the do's. Here's the don'ts. Don't re-gift junk. If somebody gave you junk, the person you give that junk to will not like it either. So don't re-gift junk. Um, don't use a store box. Preach, what do you mean? Don't give somebody a George shirt from Walmart in a Macy's box. Walmart won't take it back. I've tried. Um, <laughs> hey, that's on them. That's their policy. Um, re-gift in, uh, don't re-gift in the same, so, uh, the same social circles. Um, if Brother Chris gave me a gift that I didn't like last year, I shouldn't give it to, I shouldn't give it to Kelly in the band this year because Chris knows, Chris would know. So you've got to be careful on those social on those uh, social circles. Did y'all learn something about regifting? You're welcome. All right. Uh. Chad was an eight-year-old kid, and Chad was a uh, second or third grade quiet kid. wasn't very uh, extroverted. Kind of quiet. Didn't socialize real well with the other kids, and kids knew it. And they picked on him. They made fun of him. Didn't walk with him. Didn't talk with him. Didn't make a big deal about him. And it broke his mother's heart. And he would never get invited to the sleepovers, not got, never got invited to the uh, skating parties, never got invited to things like that, never got invited to go play paintball or laser tag. He was a lonely kid. He was a good kid. And he came home one day about November, November 1, November 2, and said, Mom, I've got an idea. Okay, bud, what do you got? I want to make everybody in my class a bag, a gift bag. So I need you to run out, and I need you to get me some red construction paper, some, some, uh, some of them real nice white cotton balls, some Elmer's glue, and some pair of scissors. And the mom is thinking in her head, honey, you're going to do all that work for a bunch of kids who don't even like you, don't even know you, and they make fun of you. But she went out and got it anyway. What she also didn't know is that little Chad had been saving up his money ever since his birthday, his birthday money, and every week of allowance for the last six months. He told his mom, he said, Mom, I've been saving my money. I've got over $100. I'm going to go down to the store and I'm going to buy every one of my class $5 gift. $100 or so may not seem like much to us, but to a little eight-year-old kid, that's big money. Once again, the mom was thinking, man, my baby's going to go spend all that money. Those kids don't even like him, don't want nothing to do with him, don't treat him right. But she didn't say a word. She kept her mouth shut. So for the next two months, this little boy works on those bags every single night, three hours at a time, getting every 21 of those bags together. He goes and he buys them gifts from Walmart, places them in all them bags. Big day comes, Christmas party at school. Little Chad gets that tote, 22 bags in there. He's carrying it onto the bus. You would have thought that he was bringing a nuclear football on there. He's so proud and being so careful, didn't want anything to get disturbed. And while the mom's telling her, Chad goodbye, in her mind, she's thinking, my God, I, I don't, I'm not looking forward to when he gets off the bus tonight. His little heart's going to be broken hearted. She's been down this road before. She knew how treated. She knew how Chad was treated. 345 rolls around. Those regular six, eight kids roll off that bus. And as they do every, as they do every day, they, they're holding hands and, and laughing and carrying on. And the last person off the bus is her little son, Chad, all by himself with that big old empty tote. Mom was beside herself because that's all the kid had. Didn't get a gift. 
and she had worked all afternoon on some his favorite homemade cookies and, because she knew he was going to be destroyed when he came home. Chad gets off that bus and mom begins to cry. And uh, she said, come on in, honey. I've got, I've got these cookies for you. And you can uh, you sit down and have some, some cookies and some milk. Little boy gets off and instead of crying, expect, instead of the expression that mom was expecting, he's smiling, stinking ear to ear. Chest is puffed up and he's walking tall. And he sets eyes on her. He says, Mom! Not one! And the mom's thinking, boys tell me nobody gave him a gift. Mom, I'm serious, not one! Nobody gave him something to take home. Mom's heart's breaking. She runs out to, to embrace him. And he gets the rest of the sentence out. He says, Mom, I didn't forget one kid in my class. I gave them all something. I didn't miss one, Mom. Chad knew something that you and I oftentimes forget. It is so much better to give than to receive. But when we're given, let's make sure that we give the right thing. Let me tell you the best gift I ever got in my life, Miss Susan. It's when God told me about His divine gift that He has for me called salvation through His Son Jesus. And on that day in 1978, I was forgiven of my sin. And my name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I know that if heaven, I know that if my death happened today, heaven's my home this evening. Church, the best bit, gift I can ever re-gift is the mercy, love, grace, forgiveness, acceptance that my God has given me to give to the people in my home this Christmas. You want to re-gift something? Re-gift the love of God. You want to re-gift something? Re-gift... Forgive you the forgiveness that you've received. Oh, preacher, you don't know what, what they've done. I can't forgive them. No, but I'm going to tell you what. I know what I've done, and I know my God has forgiven me. I know that much. So, y'all, I'm encouraging you this year to give the best gift, and the best gift you can give is a regifted gift. The greatest joy in life is reserved for those who are more interested in giving than for receiving. Don't forget on one of them this year. Y'all, the wise men were satisfied with their Christmas. You can take steps to make Christmas 2021 more uh, gratifying. Seek the right person in the right place, Jesus in the Bible, and then give the right gift, and that's regifting the gift of, of salvation. Share that gift you have. Y'all, I hope you'll make this year's Christmas more gratifying for you and your family. Intentionally keep Jesus in December. I ain't telling you don't keep him in July either. I'm just saying pay a little effort right now in December around the Christmas holiday. Uh, don't forget Miss Pam dropping uh, three minutes with Mike. You're going to get five minutes. Practical tips on keeping Jesus in your family. Pam, if you wouldn't mind, honey, would you come up? What can you do this year that's going to make this year, this Christmas pop for your family? What are you going to do that is going to make this year's Christmas a little bit more better than usual? Y'all, we can give things that have price tags. That ain't no problem. We can give things that require batteries. Or we can give away what we've already been given. And that's the best part of us in church. The best part of us is Jesus. Best part of who we are is Jesus. Back in 1994, uh, the Russian government had asked American missionaries to actually come to teach in their schools, their prisons, uh, their fire departments, and their police departments. They wanted American missionaries to come there to preach principles and ethics and morals from a biblical foundation. 1994, you can look this, is, uh, you can Google it, it really happened. And so these, these missionaries from America, they go to these different spots and they begin to, pre, uh, to teach uh, the principles of, of ethics and morality. Uh, from the Word of God. One of the caveats of them coming is that the Russian government wanted them to come to speak at a 
a huge government state-ran orphanage. There were over 100 boys and girls there. The moms and dads either died because of war, the moms and dad had abandoned them. These kids had no other place to go, no other place to sleep, no other place to eat, no other place to be. So they were in this large state-run uh, state orphanage. The two missionaries get there, and it's around Christmas time. It's early December, and they say, well, let's teach. Let's share the good news. Let's share, let's share the Christmas story. And for about 30 minutes, these two missionaries just begin to tell them all a story they have never heard. They had never heard about Jesus. They had never heard about the nativity. They had never heard about the coming of Emmanuel. So the kids hung on every word. And they listened to it all. Especially this late little eight-year-old little boy by the name of Misha. After the lesson was over, being the good Bible teachers that they were, they gave all those kids a craft to do. A couple popsicle sticks, a yellow napkin cut up, tan felt, and they, they encouraged all those kids to make their own manger. And sure enough, they all started working, and the two missionaries are walking among the group like teachers in a grade school class, are looking over kids' shoulders to see what they're doing. And that eight-year-old Misha, he's got a very unique-looking nativity. Because in his nativity, in his creche, in his manger, there, weren't, there wasn't only one baby in the manger, there was a second baby in the manger. Well, this missionary looked at him and said, Man, I, I don't remember that in the story that I gave. So he, he calls over a translator. Translator comes over and Mish, uh, he says, ask Misha what's the deal with this. This is odd. It's never happened. And so Misha begins to tell the story and the translator relates the story as Misha tells it. And Misha gets the whole story, dadgum right, almost verbatim up to the very end. And then Misha goes off on his own thing. But what a thing it was. Misha started to ad lib and he made up his own ending of the story and he said, and when Mary had laid the baby in the manger, Jesus looked up at me and asked if I had a place to stay. I told him I have no mama and I have no papa, so I don't have any place to stay. Then Jesus told me I could stay with him. But I told him I couldn't because I don't have a gift to give him like everybody else did. Remember? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But I wanted to stay with Jesus so much, I thought maybe. Maybe if I could keep him warm, that would be a good enough gift. So I asked Jesus, if I keep you warm, will that be a good enough gift? And Jesus told me, if you keep me warm, that'll be the best gift anybody's ever gave me. So I got into the manger, and then Jesus looked at me in the eye and told me I could stay with him for always. As he finished the story, his eyes filled with tears, and he sobbed. This was Misha's first time of hearing the Christmas story been abandoned by his mom and dad, didn't have a place to stay, heard how much God loved him for the very first time, Misha found somebody who would never abandon him, who would never abuse him, who would never let him go, and thank God would stay with him for always. Church, the Jesus you and I have found will never leave us, will never abandon us, will never forsake us. He will be with us always. Church, Misha was satisfied with his Christmas because two Christians told him about their Jesus. I hope that you'll strike to make this year's Christmas better than usual by seeking Jesus, seeking Him in His Word, and giving the right gift. Every head bowed, every eye is closed. Y'all this morning,
I know that you're making plans and I know that you're getting ready for your big Christmas. I'm challenging you today to keep Jesus at the center of your Christmas holiday. To keep Jesus at the center. Let your family know. Let your friends know. Let your co-workers know what this holiday means to you. Because you see, today we get to be those missionaries. We get to be those, those folks that tell Jesus. Tell about Jesus for the very first time. And so church today, I, I encourage you. Would you make a commitment? To bring Jesus intentionally into your family's Christmas celebration. I've given you some good tools. You can get some more good tools Wednesday. But I want to pray blessing over you right now. Because I know that many of you have, have made that decision already. To intentionally put Jesus at the center and focus of your holiday. Almighty God, I want to thank you for those who are intentionally going to, to do some things differently this year. To be a witness to their family, to be a witness to their friends, to be a witness to their co-workers, their children, their grandchildren. But Lord God, today, many of us are committing to, to keep your son Jesus. The whole reason we celebrate, the whole reason we remember this time of year. And Lord God, as we seek to give those in our life the best gift we've ever been given, that is salvation through your son Jesus. Lord God, today I pray that we would just simply give you ourselves. Father, we would give you our heart. Work through us. Let us look like your son, Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.